Welcome to the Rabbit Hole Club, where we're keeping it surreal and talking about all things odd, mysterious, and paranormal. This is show 002, The Kaufman Roundtable. Tonight's guests are my sister Amy Massey and my brother Jason Kaufman. We're going to talk about the SCP, Secure, Contain, Protect, The Rake, New Orleans, How We Got Our Mojo, and all kinds of other weird shit. This show was pre-recorded a couple of weeks ago when we all had a chance to sit down together. It's candid with plenty of colorful euphemisms, so be advised. Before we dive in too deep, remember to visit my Patreon account and become a member so I can keep bringing you fun and freaky shows with colorful guests and amazing stories. Members have access to many shows before they air, some shows that aren't available to non-subscribers, and fun little goodies that'll make you go, hmm. Patreon.com forward slash The Rabbit Hole Club. You can also find me on Facebook under Facebook.com forward slash Colleen's Rabbit Hole. That's C-O-L-L-E-E-N-S-R-A-B-B-I-T-H-O-L-E. On YouTube under the search The Rabbit Hole Club. And on TikTok at TikTok.com forward slash at The Rabbit Hole Club. If you or someone you know would like to share a scare, personal experience, or anything else odd and unusual, you can call my hotline at 816-514-5084. Leave a message there or send an email to submit at therabbithole.club. I'll be happy to do an interview, play your message on the air, or read your experience to my listeners. This morning we're going to have some coffee with my brother Jason. Say hi, Jason. Hi, Jason. And my sister Amy. Say hi, Amy. Hello. And we're going to talk about a few things that we have been through together that are odd, mysterious, and paranormal. I've never been in a rabbit hole with you before. Yeah, well, this morning is that day and we're going to have coffee together to do it. But no raisins. But no raisins. My rabbit died. Okay, so the first thing we're going to get into is the rake. Now, for those of you who don't know what the rake is, uh, it was supposed to have started out as a creepypasta. Yeah, it was creepypasta, I think. Uh, but we've come to find out that rakes are a little more real. <coughs> now, to interject and not interrupt, Dad has a theory that I agree with, that all these cryptids that are, like, new... You know, um, the rake, Slender uh, Man, shit like that, Siren Head, yeah, all that. Well, they, they were manifested as stories for Creepypasta or the uh, uh, SCP, things like that. Um, it's an SCP, yeah, it is. Secure, protect, yeah, yep. And these Repeat are that. What did you just say? Secure, contain, and protect, yeah, which started out as a <clears throat> quote unquote game. No, it's a foundation, and every, every major world power country has a uh, division a division of it yes yep. and they are to um, find out and secure anomalies that can or would bring harm to the time space or the prime material plane as we know it there are anomalies that can bend or break the laws of physics at will or just by default or or hurt people or hurt matter for that matter um yeah 
Yeah, there's and all so kinds of weird shit in there. They'll secure them and they'll contain them, whatever matter. And then protect and our then time protect space. It. There's like three or four different classes of anomaly. There's three. And basically, it's like a a benign or a, a, a non harmful, non harmful like the toaster that makes you giggle every <laughs> time you use it, things like that. Um, all the way to things that are uh, Euclid and Ketter, which are dangerous to dangerous. not only human beings and but, animals, but also to our whole time space continuum. Yeah, to to the the prime material plane as we know it, to existence right. as we know it. Um, so uh, dad thinks that, um, because of these stories becoming so great, almost like a Marvel comic character, that it manifests manifest the reality of it and these things actually materialize and manifest. So, um, I'll buy that. Well, you know, as, as kids, we were taught, because we grew up very metaphysically. It was Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster. Well, yes, but as far as metaphysics went, we were taught that there were such things as thought forms, mm-hmm. which were things that people actually create with their own thoughts That's and emotions. Demons and angels alike are, are, are manifested into reality. And we've all had run-ins with them, too, but that's another show. Yeah. Um... What do you want to know? Okay, so the rake, we kind of gave a background on him. He is, uh, we don't know exactly what he is, but he did start out as a creepypasta on the internet, although there seem to be some legends and lore uh, with there's a lot native of video. peoples. And yes, I've seen there's a, a lot ton of very of real, I don't know if it's real, but it sure seems real, video. Yeah, I agree, and they all have the same M.O., uh, they don't appear to be violent, although they will chase you away. Um, I've seen video of kids being attacked by them, Teen- teenage boys being attacked by them. Chased out of the house or chased out of the barn. Fighting a dead woman in a in an abandoned like complex or some variety, and then they get fucking chased by a rake. <sighs> okay, so just to give a little backstory, Jason um, Jason was living down at the Lake of the Ozarks uh, with a friend of his. I'm about 16 acres of mostly timbered property. Right. And you and your dog, Rain, and Rain is a German shepherd, a very gorgeous German shepherd girl. She's right here. And him and Rain would go out and walk the property every night to make sure that there were no trespassers or issues or yeah. whatever. Just being the normal security assets of wherever we stay, that's what we do. So I'm going to let him take it from here. Jason, what happened? Well, it was a 3 a.m. detail, and it was an arm detail, and we had problems with people breaking into our, our man cave and our workshops, stuff like that, uh, stealing tools and assets and things. So I became extremely adamant about running these details. I'm loaded with a nine millimeter and a spear that I had made um, and the rain. And we're in the timber not far from the driveway. Now that's rain the dog, not rain the weather. Yeah. R-A-Y-N-E. Thank you. Anyway, um, so she's real good about, you know, walking the detail with me. And, uh, you know, when I'm out playing in the timber, I don't use a light. But when I'm doing detail, I use very strong lights. Like, 
you know, 2,000 lumen that will light up a football field. And I got a headlamp that will blow your mind and, and other spotlights and such. And we're walking the property and I see over the fence and I thought it was a crackhead. It was humanoid. Humped over. It was doing something. It was pilfering something. I don't it was know all it was, bent down with something in front of it. It was, it was. I don't know if it was feeding. I never found a carcass or anything like that because I went up on the area after the incident. But and, you know, we scanned the area for any kind of evidence or details. And uh, this thing stopped what it was doing and looked at me. And I noticed it didn't have much for facial features, but it had huge hollow eyes, um, pale in nature, no clothing that I could discern no hair um but it did give me a god-awful look and i thought it was a person i thought it was a tweaker or a crackhead on the property and i'm like hey motherfucker and it looked up all surprised and shit and it gave me this sour ass what the hell kind of look you know and I guess it's used to when it sees humans like that, that if it charges them, it scares the shit out of them, but that's not the effect it had on me and her. Um, it took steps closer and acted like it was going to charge at me, and <laughs> nope, uh, we charged back. I took a charge, and uh, Rain followed suit. She was ahead of me, and this thing really changed its demeanor. It stunk. I could smell it. Um, we're talking maybe 40 yards away, 45 yards away. Um, it smelled like protein, butt sweat, and cancer. It, Ew. It, it didn't smell correct. And so, you know, we took off after it, and it changed its demeanor, and that footstep towards us turned into a, oh, shit look on its face, and it looked like a baseball pitcher turning backwards, and it went, and just dissipated gone so did it like like dematerialize or I think so. just move that quickly or it's hard to explain yeah it's like it did but there was no mist or no remainder no residue or anything like that uh, but it bolted uh, like it disappeared in the shadow but there was no noise through the timber. I mean, there were a lot of falling sticks and stuff like that. There was no noise in the timber. There was no... And we were in hot pursuit, full full throttle run towards it. Uh, her and I both moved very good in the woods. It's something that I've always done. Well, she's a German Shepherd, so they can literally... She can be a dead run, and you won't hear her until she's literally four foot from you. And then you hear that... The thunder and heard. But she's very pale in nature, rain. Yeah. But she's like a specter, man. She will turn like this thing did and disappear, and you won't see her six, ten foot from you. I know. I hear you out there whistling for her a lot. Yeah. Well, she's curious. She likes to smell for the bunnies, and she's a tracker. There was nothing there for her to track. She was confused, you know. What? Yeah, she okay. stopped where it started and where it disappeared. She stopped and was sniffing the ground and like, Ooh, the fuck, where'd it go? Interesting. Yeah, never heard or saw anything like it since then. So, But the smell lingered. That's what I was going to ask. Did the smell stick around? The smell stuck around for a good 45 minutes or an hour. Wow. Because I scoured that area. 
So Keep in mind, it's like 3 a.m. It's this time of year, maybe August, July or August. And it's hot and misty and still. Sorry, I'm packing cigarettes. And um, I was wearing uh, combat BDUs and shorts, combat boots, no shirt. It was hot. Um, but this thing was like naked. I don't know how else to explain it, but I'm pretty sure what I thought was a tweaker or a crackhead on the property. It made his most god-awful squeal, too. Yeah, um, I've heard their squeals on other videos. They're crazy. They like sound a very like large, a... very deep-voiced uh, feral hog. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Maybe, maybe uh, somebody on Waka Flocka or Basalt, you know? <laughs> I mean, it was pretty whacked out and deranged acting. I'll give it that. But that was that was my rake story. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Here's a nifty little video that will show you exactly what they sound like. It was shot about 10 or 11 years ago and can be found on YouTube under the name Caught on Tape. The name of the video is Creature Found in Abandoned House. Is that? Oh, shoot, go! Shoot, shoot! Just get out of the house! Get out of the house! Just get back to the house! Just get back to the house! Jesus Christ, Jesus. If you guys have any stories about similar creatures or other cryptids, please... Oh, when we walked up on it, it was grumbling and mumbling, too. It was making noises as it was pilfering whatever it was pilfering, but I never found what it was pilfering. I thought maybe it was feeding on a dead carcass or something. Nothing. Nothing but sticks and stones on the ground. Interesting. I'll tell you this. This thing acted aggressive until I showed aggressive uh, uh, rebuttal in return. And it flipped it out. Like it's used to, like it's dealt with humans before. And it thinks that it can bluff by being nasty by nature like that. But that shit don't work on me. It just pisses me off more. And when it did, I was like, hey! And she started, woo, 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 and... I took off, and she looked at me like, okay, Dad, and she took off, and of course, she's faster than me, and it literally, his demeanor went from, rah, 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 to, oh, fuck, 
And it literally lifted that leg up and turned its fucking body and head and went, and gone. Exit, stage right, It was like it had a little doorway right there that it just ran right back through and was gone. It didn't leave no tufts of hair like witch hazel or nothing. It was, <laughs> it was off like a dirty shirt. Interesting. Yeah, and still to this day, I, can, I can, can't really describe the smell, but I can smell it. It's very real. Did it stick in your nose hairs? Oh, fuck yeah, it did. Oh, Ray. So if you have any similar experiences, any experiences, any experiences with cryptids at all, <laughs> please feel welcome to submit those to the show. You can email me at submit at therabbithole.club. Thanks, Jace. You ever close the rabbit hole? All right, let's club the rabbit hole. All right, so um, the next topic is going to involve me and my sister and my brother here. So we're going to have some coffee, and we're going to talk about our great adventures in New Orleans because we have had several. Back in the year 2000, uh, we were invited down to New Orleans to do some body painting for Mardi Gras 2000. And so it was me and Amy and Jason. We went down there. Uh, as body painters, we stayed with Mimi at the um, Occult Mimi Goods. Yep, she owns an occult shop down on Rue Dumaine. Well, no way. Let's uh, let's iterate on that. She owns the oldest occult and witchcraft goods and services shop in the world. That's true. She does. It's the oldest one in the world, and it dates back to the 1670s. Oh boy, the ex- the experiences we had with Mimi are. Incredible. We didn't know this when we commissioned the job, though. No, we didn't. We had no idea. We knew we were going down there so to do some shop body owner. painting for... She turned uh, out to be a dear friend. Absolutely. Yes, hi, Mimi. I love you. Uh, we went down there to be body painters. Uh, our first night there, we actually stayed in uh, her house, which is just like a block or a block and a half off of the French Quarter. And... Um, well, the very first night there, we had a visitation by a whole bunch of spirits wanting to know what the hell we were doing there. And so whenever I told them we were body painting, they said, oh. <laughs> but it was like, what, our third day in? Fourth. Was it our fourth day in? We were walking back to the house from working all day. It was... Oh, it was about midnight, and we looked so much like tourists. We had beads piled around our necks, clear up to our shoulders. Wearing a Dan Marino jersey, yep. beers and sandwiches, po'boys. Yeah, we had a whole bag full of po'boys, and we were on our way home. <laughs> and this guy met us. It was right about the end of the block where we needed to be going. Wrong, what was that Canal Street? Yeah, it was Canal Street. And yeah. uh, this guy met us and was No, asked, Rampart. It was Rampart. You're yeah. right. It's right off of Rampart. Which um, separates the French Quarter from the Ninth Ward. Neighborhood, yeah. Yeah, I think it is the Ninth Ward. So we get, we were met by this guy who was big in money. The way, some, that is one of the most blight areas in the country pre-Hurricane Katrina as well. We didn't know that. 
We didn't know that. We were staying there. We were happy to be there. It was Mardi Gras 2000. We were staying with the French Quarter Witch. We now, you guys haven't been down there post-Katrina, have you? No, I haven't been down there It was like somebody washed out a season skillet with soap. Oh, wow. Sad. Those, those areas now are closed down and demolished. She still has her house. That was on the historical registry. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I know the rest of that neighborhood was shut down. Wow, I know that her shop was underwater. Yeah, the whole French Quarter, like I said, was like a seasoned skillet. Yeah. It definitely changed after Katrina. Well, it probably didn't, it probably didn't improve the smell the of The next Mardi Gras I went to when I lived <laughs> down there didn't. would have been 2000, what, 2010, I think. But Katrina was in six. So, no, it would have been uh, 8, 9, yeah, it would have been 2010 or 2011 when I went. And it went from, what, 6.1 million people in 2000 to, yeah. like, 20,000 people. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, it was a ghost town, pretty much, compared to the prior Mardi Gras that we'd been to. Oh, uh, yeah, because we went to two. We, we did 2000 and 2002. In comparison, I think the French Quarter is, what, like, 10 by 20 blocks? Yeah, it's something like no, it's not I real think big. it's like eight by fourteen maybe. In, in that area. And those blocks are literally the width of this kitchen. Okay, you can barely yeah. get a beer truck down those blocks. Yes. They're very mm -hmm. narrow and very old. They're they were built for buggies and stuff like that. Um so to put, you know, one million people in that area for a given what, six week time, four week time. It's so concentrated with human beings that the trash is three foot tall and you're not stepping on cobblestones by the time Mardi Gras weekend comes around. You're, yeah. You're walking on three foot of trash. Yeah. That's right. Wading through it is more like you're getting pulled elbow to elbow by people. It's so yep. crowded that they pick you up and squeeze you down the road like a wet bar of soap. Yep. <laughs> and me right. being a big dude. <laughs> that's right, that's right. We were coming home one night after work, and like I 12, said, 15. yeah, it was about midnight-ish, and um, do you need to let her out yeah, real quick? Okay, we're going to take a pause here. And now to continue, rain has gone out and pottied, and now we're back, and we have fresh, hot, perked coffee, and we're going to continue our story. So, it's the year 2000. We are in New Orleans. We've been hired as body painters for Mardi Gras by Mimi at Esoterica Occult Goods on Rue du Main in the and French Quarter. We were Quarter. pretty much body painting just on the street at that point. At that point, we were. That was just before we got into the club, which was Club 735. Well, this is important because Purpose of the way things changed after this particular event we're leading up to. Right, exactly. So we're, we're searching for a better way to make some money while we're down there. I mean, that's a long-ass drive, I'll tell you. In a van that took a quart of oil every, what, 60 miles? It wasn't that bad, but close. It's pretty bad. <laughs> so we decided... <coughs> Dang. So we decided that we were done for the day, and we stopped by the quartermaster. We and, made good money, too. Yeah, we made decent money, and we had beads all the way up to our ears, and we yeah, were we all like dressed like tourists. Yeah, we like tribes, you know, with the rings around their necks. Yep, it was pretty looked like impressive. a thumb in the shadow. Yep, a thumb in the shadow. <laughs> <laughs> so we're on our way, we, and because we were working on Bourbon Street, 
we were just like four blocks away from where we were staying, which was a on the historical register, a house that had holes in the floors at the time and they were renovating. We're on our way back to that house just a little bit after midnight. That house was built in the 1720s, I think. I think it was one that did not burn in the fire. Yeah. It was a super neat house. It was it really a super was. neat house. Had a neat little breakfast nook. And, and out of the shadows, this little guy approaches us, and he wants to know if we have any money for this woman who was in some kind of an accident. No, and had drive a son. by shooting. So this is at midnight, and he's collecting for this. He had a picture of this really beautiful, looked like a Latina or Mexican woman. And saying that she was a victim of a drive-by and they didn't have funeral expenses for her. He's asking for money at 12, 10 at night on Rampart Street. We were at a house on the other side of Rampart when he cornered us. Yeah. Of course, you, you girls were like, no, honey, we don't have any money, but we got beads. <laughs> You're very sweet to him. And I'm like, mm-hmm, hustle, hustle, you little crackhead. He was full of shit. Um, I remember that as soon as we went to part ways with him, that he looked over to the shadows and kind of nodded. And I look up and there's five or six guys standing along on the other side of the firelight from the streetlight along the fence there. And then two of them popped up out of the shadows. One of them had a gun. Walked right at us and he had that, that pistol noodled right at my head, which means he's holding it sideways like yep. the gangbangers do. Yep, and I he remember. put it right it. up to my forehead. Yep, and demanded that we give him, Amy and I both had 90th anniversary Harley Davidson belly bags. And he demanded that we give them up to him and that Jason give his wallet up. So my hands went up in the air, the gun went to my temple, and I looked to the ground. And I relaxed, and I remember I went through all the protocols of, you know, what they tell you when you're robbed at gunpoint. And I didn't look at their faces. I mean, how are you going to identify them anyway? They were in the shadows. Right. Um, they just short-circuited all of us bad. One of them had a Gilligan hat on. A, a white a white boonie like Gilligan wore on Gilligan's Island. Yeah. That was the one that had the pistol. The yeah. other one just kind of stood by the hand in his pocket. He was a little shrimpy motherfucker. And no, he didn't were. just stand there. He was trying to scrabble up my belly bag to get it off of my waist. Well, I'm saying when the other one approached. Well, then he oh, put it I down to you. my chest and my heart. And I looked down, it was a fucking 380 semi-automatic with duct tape on it. And I don't even know if it had a magazine in it. <laughs> but it could have had a round in the chamber, I don't know. But he was, right. he was twacked, he was all cracked out and nervous. And I'm watching the hammer on that thing, you know, screech back and forth because he was squeezing on that trigger. It could have given any minute. Instant heart shot, I would drop me like a fly. So we gave up our stuff to them. And which included ID and eyeglasses and a camera. Yeah. And Amy reaches over and goes, you can't have those. And snatched them back from him. And no, like, oh. I just said, no, you can't have my glasses. I need those. I remember very well. Yeah, and you snatched yeah, them back I'd... from him and he still had the gun on me. And uh, for whatever reason, he used the other hand and grabbed my shoulder and spun me around and put that to the back of my skull. And told us to walk back into to the take our quarter. shit and, then and he go. Shoved me, yeah, he shoved he, me with the muzzle of it and said, "Go back that way, motherfucker." They and didn't want our food. They told us to take it with us. Yep. So we went back. We short circuited the them as much as they short circuited oh, yeah, us. Absolutely. Well, we find the later that that comes to revelation whenever we dealt with the cop. 
So we went back into the French Quarter and we were completely disoriented and <laughs> we went back to the quartermaster. In shock, pretty much. We were in shock. Well, as we walked back past the crowd, there was that little girl dressed in Mardi Gras clothes with a sparkly wig and shit, all cute. She was bouncing back the other way and I snatched her up by the arm and I said, don't you even dare. She got all offended, thought I was trying to accost her, I guess. And then you guys jumped in and told her, we just got robbed at gunpoint, not one block that way. Oh, my. Right. Well, I so thought we were drawing a crowd. We went back through the crowd and to the quartermaster because at the time, we didn't have cell phones. That uh -huh. was the year 2000. That was the year we got cell phones, uh -huh. but we didn't have them yet. We went back to the quartermaster, and um, Brother was being very loud about his disillusionment. I was pissed. Yeah. And um, it was kind of scary at the time. And um, out of the shadows, here comes this little guy on a bicycle. Wearing a fedora and a leather trench coat. Right. And he hops off of his bike. He comes right up to us. And he said, what's happening, baby? And I am the voodoo prince of love. And I'm here to make it better. <laughs> and so we, we went inside. We called the police. And no. You went inside and called the cops. Me and Amy stayed out and talked to him. By and the time we had a crowd. Right. And this guy was so precious. He told us that he was the voodoo prince of love. And he blessed us all with our mojo that night, which we put into medicine bags and still carry to this day. That is how we got our mojo. We had no idea who he was or what he gave us until the next morning. And I wasn't saying a word. I didn't even want to talk. And he Mimi, was precious. Mimi uh, set us up to sew the bags for him and yep. gave us the devil's shoelace to put in there. Yep. And she's like, who the fuck are you people anyway? And <laughs> you guys are like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? She's like... People come down here to the Four Points, the Crossroads, and the Delta and spend a lifetime trying to find the one true mojo. You guys have been here literally hours, and it gets handed to you. It's like, you understand that we almost died. Because the cop that came and gave us a ride back to the house and handled the incident told us straight up that he had got his coffee and fired up his unit and was on his way on patrol. And... He looked at the clock and said, 12.15 is about when the armed robberies and the homicides start. And he swore up and down that their MO generally is to execute whoever, whether it's 20 bucks worth or whatever, that he doesn't understand why they didn't just execute, especially me on the spot there. But they didn't. No, they didn't. And instead, we got our mojo and... All the money we had was in my bra, and mm -hmm. they got not one red cent. But the funny thing about it is... In all my rantings and ravings, even back in the neighborhood afterwards, and I challenged everybody out there. And that, I'll tell you what, that neighborhood echoes for blocks with just a whisper. And, the, and it's all inhabited by those types of people. You guys were like, let's pack and rack, let's go home. And I said, absolutely not. I said, uh, you can do what you want, and I'll, I'll go with you or whatever, but I would consider the fact that that's probably the worst thing that's going to happen to us, and we survived it. Let's see this through. And you guys agreed. Yes, and we did. And what happened the next day? Well, we're painting that girl on the main street. She's a cute little street girl. Um, little pretty little petite thing. And we're doing the ivy leaves and the tree frogs and stuff on her. And, you know, we're drawing a crowd, whatever. This is mid-afternoon. 
I started to come out of my hatred haze and and uh, <clears throat> I see on the other side of the street on the sidewalk there's two guys, younger fellas, walking by dressed semi-casual professional, but they had lanyards on like we had on, ID lanyards. And they're flipping in the wind and I noticed a gold Playboy bunny on him. And I'm like, oh wait, come here. You guys got to see this. So they came over and they watched and they were, huh, that's pretty cool. You know, what's your name, all that. And you exchanged business cards with them. Yep. Didn't think anything else of it until what was it, 7.30 the next morning? Yeah. You had a cell phone. Yeah. Uh, yes. 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 No? You really? had the only cell phone, and they called your cell phone. Yes. They so we ended up phone. at that point. We ended up working for Playboy. That was two two of the liaisons for Playboy.com. That's right, and they they did some layouts online, and it was beautiful. We they did were a, Danny Perez's assistants. Yep, that's right. And Danny Perez was the uh, advertising and marketing executive for Playboy.com, Playboy Magazine. And that particular incident led also to us working for Playboy, not once, but twice more. Yep. And we did a Playboy Super Bowl Party 36 at Anne Rice's mm -hmm. mansion, which was another quite an incident. And it actually leads into the next topic. That's my show for this week. Special thanks to my amazing family for getting this project off the ground and indulging me down our macabre rabbit hole together. Next week, I'll continue the Kaufman Roundtable with a couple more stories from New Orleans, vampires, UFOs, the ghosts of Sleepy Hollow, and more. Thanks for listening, and keep it surreal.